summon the crowd on the pitch. You're listening to The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. A very happy Thursday to everyone here on The Soccer Show on 1077 The Franchise, brought to you as always by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. I'm Ryan Chapman, joined every week by my good friend, Todd Lizenby. Todd, I'm not sure Bedlam basketball was worth moving us off our normal night, but it happened. I'm glad it gave me one more day to process what happened in the Manchester Derby over the weekend. And quite frankly, it gave me a day to step back and laugh at Manchester United a little bit again. So I'm glad it happened. Yes. As Todd mentioned, we have a packed show. We had two massive derbies that shaped the top of the table. We're going to take a look at the bottom of the table as there was some wild stuff going on in Liverpool. We've got gas pumps and transfer market. We've got the mailbag, all that stuff. But, Toddy, let's start where everyone started on Saturday. A big Manchester derby. Man City, fresh off of a couple of batterings of Chelsea, but then some cup teetering, teetering as well. Looking ahead, they're up first, needing a big result to go and kind of put more pressure on Arsenal at the top. And a big result happened, a big VAR result. Uh, Manchester United wins it 2-1, to one, but of course the... The VAR review heard around the world that wasn't a VAR review heard around the world. Uh, I guess we'll just start here. Rashford, did he interfere in that play for you, Toddy? Of course. I mean, I have two eyeballs and a brain. So, yeah, of course he interfered. Uh, but it's, look, first, let's start with this. Uh, great job by Eric Ten Hag and United to get back to where they are amidst all the Ronaldo craziness. So, credit where it's due. That's It's a job well done. And, Quite frankly, it's patience shown and trust shown by the board at United that hasn't been shown before to managers before him. So, good for them. Second, Man City ain't right. And and I think I've kind of pinpointed what the issue is. And, and the issue is their back four is not right. And when I say back four, it's really back five. Because you got to remember, Rodri was great last year. And part of the reason why Rodri was great was because Fernandinho gave them so many minutes in so many matches and gave Rodri the availability or the ability to stay fresh yeah. when he was available. And so Rodri is stretched this year. They brought in Calvin Phillips. He's been injured. He's been out of shape coming back from the World Cup. He struggled to find minutes. So Rodri hasn't been good. Ruben Diaz, Laporte, Stones, all injured right now. It's Nathan Ake and Manuel Akanji back there. Who Ake's done a pretty good job this year, but it's not the same. It's not the same. Jao Cancelo has not been near as good as last year either. You know, Kyle Walker has still had a few injuries here and there. Right. He's probably been about as solid as far as just being available and, you know, being good when he's out there as Man City have had this year. But because of that, I think sometimes people forget as good as City is offensively and going and attacking, it a lot of it is created by pressing and getting the ball off of someone's foot or creating enough pressure that a mistake is made. And they're just not doing that as much this year. And United United basically said, we're not going to let you have that opportunity. We're right. going to let you have the ball on your foot, and when you make a mistake, we're going to run at you. And I I thought it was a, a brilliant game plan from Eric Ten Hag, and Man City got the breakthrough. Obviously, I, it was offside on the goal that counted, but I, I think a draw was probably a just result. Um, you know, the second goal was a great goal. Guarnacho was great when he came in on the uh, left wing, but yeah, it was... 
it was a that was a tough pill to swallow for city supporters for sure. And as you mentioned to me, like this is the first time all year Arsenal are the betting favorite to win the Premier League. Now. Yeah. Yep, it's now the markets have flipped. It's no longer the is the title fight. We've seen, uh, for me at least, a big enough runway without Gabby Jesus to say, no, that Arsenal team is going to be fine. They're going to keep on kicking along, as we'll talk about here. But I thought the other impressive thing, and like you mentioned, uh, Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag deserve all the roses because if it weren't for what Arsenal's doing, the unexpected front runner, right? If, if, if Liverpool were in Arsenal's spot, a team that coming into the season we had expected to be in the title fight, I think all of the oxygen surrounding the Premier League, or a lot of it, would be around what Ten Hag is doing at Manchester United because they, they've been, uh, outside of what happened on, on Wednesday where they were in control of that and kind of gave it away, they've been, for me, as solid and as good as anyone coming back from this World Cup break. And so I think you saw that. We're not very far removed from a total embarrassment from United in the Manchester Derby, right? And now you have that goal that, that again, for me, someone who's got no horse in this, I also what? thought that Rashford was clearly, clearly you guys are just 19 points out. No, hey, we, we, <laughs> all, all of our uh, you horses guys are in Chelsea, money. of course. Yeah, we've got, we've got a large money gun out still, and it's just going everywhere. I think Chelsea are going to innovate the first team to play all 11 players on the left half of the pitch for the entire game. Very excited for that. But for me, it was the the first goal should have been offside. I thought Rashford was clearly in the way of the city defense. But I thought the more impressive thing was how United took that and said, "Now we're going to take this and push for the winner." And that's yeah. what they did get. Well, and and Old Trafford felt like Old Trafford again. And I say that as a City fan watching the match, like it felt when that goal went in, it was like, "Oh God, here we go." It that's what it felt like, you know. And for years, it's felt the other way. With City and Old Trafford, they've scored the goal. Even when City scored the first goal, I wasn't very confident, right? right. And I have my friend Adam, I, who I know listens to our podcast. Uh, I think he listens to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, by the way. Uh, but uh, Adam, Adam told me he called me on Friday. He said, "What do you think?" And I said, "Honestly, two one United. City aren't playing well, so he can tell you. He can vouch. Yeah. I nailed the score correctly, but it was a good result. And I want to also say this: we're recording this show." This afternoon, as you're yeah, listening, so Man City and Tottenham has not happened yet. It's 126 right exactly. now. Exactly. So by the time we time. finish this, the match is going to be started, but uh, we don't know that result yet. I will just say, do I think Arsenal should be the betting favorite to win the Premier League? Yes. If you ask me right now, I would pick Arsenal. Yeah. That said, we're literally halfway through the season. Right. Right. And Man City and Arsenal have not played yet in the Premier League this year, so Man City could get six points from those two matches. And then just you need one other match to go the wrong direction for Arsenal and well, City arrive back in the title hunt. We're talking about Manchester United. Huge tilt on the horizon between Arsenal and United, which we'll get to yep. as we preview in the final segment of this show. Uh, briefly, we'll touch on the other big shocking I guess result from Saturday was Brighton just taking it to Liverpool. Uh, we'll talk about Liverpool in the preview as well. Yeah, and Brighton also in some transfer news today, yeah, as is Arsenal correct. with uh, so, Trossard. Hand- so we've got Arsenal. a lot to cover there, but I want to hone in next on, so Manchester United gets the win on Saturday. That set the stage on Sunday for Arsenal to say, hey, not only do, do the Gunners have a chance to, to put a big win on the board and, and lengthen that gap, they also have a chance to do it against Tottenham. They have a chance to do it against the team that, um, for as fun as Arsenal were at the close of last season, Tottenham really, really put their foot down right at the end and said, okay, you've got a little bit of growing to do, uh, a big opportunity, and man, 
Hugo Lloris continues to have howlers and big moments, which has just been kind of hard for me to watch. Someone that, uh, for the longest time, I've just known him as a beacon of stability at the back. And Arsenal took that and said, hey, Tottenham, you are not getting in, not getting back into this game. You're not getting into this game at all. And I thought that was such an incredible performance from the Gunners where you're just sitting there going, this is a team that has grown up since the last time those two squads matched off with, with Champions League implications on the line. I got a text from a buddy, and you could make an argument right now that uh, and I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that they weren't there. It's just kind of amazing that arguably two, the two best players or two of the best players in the Premier League are from Norway who weren't in the World Cup. And right. Martin Odegaard and Erling Holland, And they're both very young also. So I would expect Norway to be, especially with the expanded field in the 2026 World Cup over here in America. But uh, Odegaard has been amazing for them. And listen, I, I saw a tweet. I wish I could find the tweet to reference it. There was a tweet out there that you can probably search and find better than me because you're younger and hipper than me. But it's <laughs> not cooler though. I, I did not support the new Big Twelve. Clearly, it showed uh, it showed this ten match run of form that Arteta had early in his first season, and I think it was nine losses and a draw, maybe or something like that. Yeah, that tweet has uh, flown around the Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and and it's the old argument, uh, and it's we understand that that soccer is knee jerk. That's how that's the culture there. Right, I mean, if people follow hockey, hockey's a lot the same way. They near knee jerk a lot with managers, with coaches. Well, it's not like football or basketball. They don't wait till the end of the season. Right, and I mean, when you talk about like the NFL, it's a big revenue sharing where everyone in the league's making money hand over fist. In the Premier League, yes, everyone's making money hand right. over fist, but the first place team gets the biggest TV payout. The 20th place team not only gets relegated, but gets the smallest payout. Champions League is more payouts on top of that. Europa League is a smaller one. It's understandable why it is so knee-jerk, because we're not talking about thousands of dollars. We're talking about you're splitting millions sure. of dollars off yeah. of goal difference and one or two points. But but while I agree with that, also it's there are two different types of hires. You bring in Antonio Conte to Tottenham, you're bringing in Antonio Conte, expecting him to take a team that's good and make them great. Yeah. Arsenal were at that re- rebuild point. And at some point, even the biggest clubs like Arsenal, like Man United, I mean, I think they've finally done this with Ten Hag. You have to say, okay, we've screwed it up. We want you to come in and fix it, and we're going to trust the process of you fixing it, as painful as it may be in the short term. And that's hard to sell to fans, and a lot of Arsenal fans didn't buy it. Yeah. Right. And and to the club's credit and to Mikel Arteta's credit, he's continued to do what he thought was best, even when the results weren't there, and continue to to try to, to get his style of football through. And now it's there, and they all look like geniuses. It doesn't always work. Sometimes you do that, and you let someone take you too far down the wrong path. Yeah. But I think you have to do it if you're gonna bring in someone like Arteta and really tell him that he's got the ability to change the culture there. And I think that's been big for Edu, uh, you know, the director of football there. Not we we are a lot of in the weeds of here's the results, we're focused on who's on the pitch, things like that. We're going to talk about this in the next segment with transfers though, but I I have a big admiration for what Arsenal have done cuz Stan Kroenke does not let them spend Arsenal like the rest of the big six, maybe save Tottenham. Like Levy right. and, and Kroenke come at it from different spots, but but he doesn't let him just open up the pocketbook sure. and say 
print the money. Well, and I think even even and like listen, by no means am I going to act like Man City don't spend money. They obviously do. But even the best clubs like City and some of the other clubs around the world that are those uber rich clubs, you still have to find value in places. Well, and we talked about this with Manchester United just coming out of a period where they spent a lot of money unwisely. Yeah. Chelsea are in a period right now where right. Chelsea have spent a ton of money when Abramovich was still in charge unwisely having to offload that driftwood. There's still a hundred million pound striker who is playing in Italy right now who is not even a consideration for a team that can't create at the top, Chelsea. And now Todd Bowley's come in, and the big blue money gun is just going brr yeah. all over the place. And by the way, we have a Chelsea question in the mailbag, so we'll we talk do. about them in the final we segment We do for indeed. Sure. Real quick, here's your top four as it stands. Like we said, City and Tottenham are going to kick off after we begin recording this. Sorry for the logistics of this, but as it stands right now, Arsenal are at the top with 47 points. United and City are both on 39 points. City and Arsenal both have a game in hand over United. That'll be solved by the time you're listening to this. But uh, City has that huge plus 28 goal difference to the plus 8 for United. Brentford doing a lot of work there. Newcastle rounds out the top four. They're sitting on 38 points, one point behind the Manchester clubs with 19 matches played. And then Tottenham in fifth at 33 points with 19 matches played. Let's real quick jump to the bottom of the table. We have a we have a bigger question about relegation in the mailbag, so that's coming. But I want to hone in real quick on Everton and the scenes that we saw this weekend. Southampton goes to Everton, wins 2-1. But the lasting impression for me from this is the display from the supporters at not just... Frank Lampard, not it's it's the entire board. You saw basically signs for everyone on the entire board. Uh, Everton executives were basically told, "Do not come to the club today. We cannot. We can't guarantee. We, your we can't guarantee your safety. It's never something you want to hear." We saw uh, an executive in a headlock. Apparently, it, it's a very, very, very toxic environment at Everton, Everton right now as they sit. 19th in the table on 15 points, minus 11 goal difference. And, Todd, I don't think there's moves that Everton can make in January to save themselves. No, no, no. I mean, if if you're not aware of the financial... The only way Everton are saving themselves is with some incredible performance. Right. There's no other way to say it. They're going to have to... They're going to have to get lucky. Yeah. Truthfully, that's how it feels. The Athletic did a a whole Everton podcast this week. The Athletic Football Show, something that I just mainline would highly suggest. Once you're done listening to us, which you can find us normally Wednesday nights from 8 to 9 p.m. on the franchise, we're going to be moving to Saturday mornings at the start of February. So be on the lookout for that. As well as if you missed anything, search The Soccer Show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We're there as well. But what the Athletic Football Pod was talking about is that obviously... There's a huge bit of the Everton pocketbooks caught up in sanctions right now. Then you've got a club that is paying a lot of buyout fees for former managers, former directors of football. They're over a barrel because they're building a stadium right now. And, And basically, Everton have to consult the Premier League for transfers. They've had to recall a couple of youth players to try to sell them to raise some funds. So it sounds like they're pretty much stuck with Frank Lampard because paying the buyout for another manager is going to be a toll on their books. There's not a lot they could do in the market. And this is a club that, since they've been in the top division, have not been relegated. Right, right. They're one of, what, four, right, that haven't been relegated since the Premier League came about? Is that right? Um, I'm not sure on the Premier League number. Or maybe it's, maybe it's four. It might be four since the... 
since they separated from three divisions into four in the top right. or something like but that. I, but for for Everton, it's since they got to the top division. Right, right. Not not exactly. Premier League. Not the maybe old, that's what it is. Yeah. Maybe only four it's, clubs have ever gotten to the top and never been yeah, relegated. Since they got to the top division, never ever been relegated. A, a very very proud history. Even though you're, you're situated in the shadow of Anfield and things like that. Well, this and is like, a it massive, massive, massive story. It wouldn't be fun to watch the Premier League without, uh, you know, without a, a Merseyside derby. Like that's that's to me like one of those matches that you just plan on watching every year. They've been a mainstay as long as I've watched the Premier League. Obviously, the entire time of the Premier League, and yeah, it's not to mention there's talk about building a new stadium. Like they've got a lot of big plans for the club that they had. Five, six years ago, and hell, you probably started watching right around when I did, when it was available on US TV. Yeah. Roberto Martinez had him in Europe. Yeah. It's like they were playing in the Europa in League. Europe. Knocking on the door of the Champions League Moyes year after year. was doing such a phenomenal job yeah. there that he was the hand-picked successor mm-hmm. for Sir Alex, all, all that stuff. And now uh, it, it's just kind of interesting that um, West Ham are in a bad spot. Everton are in an awful spot. And Moyes has has interviewed with Everton in the past to come back. He's he's said basically he feels like he has unfinished business at Everton. That's the guy that they need right now. And I don't know how they can make that happen with the buyout situation as far as Do trying a little to balance the swap. books. Yeah, to swap them. Yeah, we we need to see Frank Lampard to well, West Ham. What needs to happen is Todd Bowley needs to get on the phone, Chelsea's new owner, because we know he loves to propose a player swap. We know he's all about baseball trades, all that stuff. He needs to get on the phone and be like, I'm going to be the third-party broker in this deal. I'm not sure that West Ham wants Frank Lampard. I don't know who would want Frank Lampard at the top level, but that's something really to monitor because – to your point, they're just going to have to have inspired performances from really young pieces of that squad because I I just don't know how the help can come on the way financially. I remember a year, 1990, I think it was seven, maybe a six, where OU football was like three and eight and OSU football was like four and seven and OU basketball was like 15 and 18 and OSU basketball was like 19 and 13. That's what it's like watching football in Liverpool right now. Yeah. I mean, Liverpool yeah. are not great. They're in disarray a little bit. Like you said, Brighton just tore them apart, and Everton are about to get relegated. So, tough times there. I think all of us want Everton to stay up. We all know people that support Everton because yeah. they have been a mainstay of the Premier League around here. Um, and I think it, it won't be the same if Everton. Yeah, gets and I think it's worth noting it's a situation where if they do get dropped, they're in a bad spot even to bounce back up. That's yeah. hard enough as it is, but with what they're going to be dealing with, it's going to be even tougher. Yep, that's Todd Lisby. I'm Ryan Chapman. This is the soccer show here on 107.7 The Franchise, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, big transfer news dominating some of the secondary headlines. Not often we get these kind of moves in January, but it's been uh, fun if you're wearing blue, I guess, or frustrating if you're wearing blue with some of the money being thrown around. And then, like we said, on the Twitter at Soccer Show 1077, we got a big announcement finally here that we'll get to on the other side. Coming up next. The Soccer Show is on Twitter. Give us a follow at Soccer Show 1077. Welcome back in to the Soccer Show here on 1077 The Franchise, brought to you as always by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. I'm Ryan Chapman alongside Todd Lisenby. It's segment number two here in the magical month of January, which means we have a ton of transfer stuff, a very Arsenal-centric transfer segment, as well as Chelsea as they continue to just say, screw it for financial fair play. But, Todd, we do have the big announcement we've been teasing, we've been teasing. 
We got some merch, my friend. We have merch. We got merch. We will be firing this out on the socials very soon. I know it's an audio medium, but I'm wearing the hat right He's now. He's wearing the hat right now. We do have soccer show hats. They will be coming to a Twitter feed near you. I just am going to be pretty picky about uh, getting some promo images out there, but you can get in touch with us at Soccer Show 1077. Be sure to look out for that for a look at the hats. Uh, I am going to be totally self-promoting here. I'm not a graphic designer. I'm very bad at graphic design. I very much lucked into a fun logo for us, and I'm really proud of it, and I'm glad that we got on a hat, and I think these hats look freaking dope. Yeah, and we're going to try to uh, maybe get out uh, on location some, and you guys can come by and purchase some hats yes, if you want. Yes, absolutely. So we maybe, got that. Uh, donate a, some of the proceeds to, I don't know, maybe to us. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We might donate it to Todd Bowley. You might need it. Well, uh, he, he actually doesn't need any money because... We might actually need to get in front of him. He'd probably pay $50 million for one of these hats. Well, what we need to say is this hat is a very exciting young prospect. It yeah. plays down the left side, and Todd Bowley would be like, a yeah. hundred million pounds. You can use this hat for four months. <laughs> just pay me $12 million and then give it back to me. So if you've missed it, uh, we talked about... Um, Chelsea basically paying 16 million pounds in a loan fee plus uh, wages for Jao Felix, who repaid immediately by getting a three-match ban for an awful slide tackle that was unneeded. Uh, I guess Simeone uh, really just is ingrained in Jao Felix right. and how he plays. And if that wasn't enough, Chelsea hijacked the long-rumored move of Mikhail Mudrik coming from Shakhtar, he was supposed to go to Arsenal. He's been teasing that he wants to go to Arsenal. Young, unproven, has a good goal-scoring record this year in the Champions League, but not a huge um, resume other than that. And Chelsea came in, and based off some of the financials and the reporting and things like that, it sounds like Chelsea didn't offer all that much more, but the incentives and the way that they structured it got Shakhtar more money up front which means that the Blues hijacked it so much so that on a day when Viali was supposed to be the centerpiece of the tributes against Crystal Palace, Mudrik has rolled out at halftime um, to uh, uh, kind of present it to the fans. Chelsea, oddly, were pubbing this deal on social media the night before it was like signed and official, which was a really weird move. But um, Chelsea getting out the big guns to pay... Close to a hundred million pounds. If all of if everything conveys as far as the incentives and things like that for Mudrik to come in, and I, I guess he's going to get inserted. I would predict this weekend to to lead the attack against Liverpool and, and try to challenge Mo Salah and Trent Alexander Arnold down what would be the left flank of Chelsea and, and the right side of Liverpool. They should just play with half the pitch in that match. Well, I, <laughs> between the the rumored deal where Chelsea have a pre contract agreement with Christopher Nkunku, between Jao Felix. Pulisic, Colin hudson Adoy's on low. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi Mudrick. thinks they're too far left-leaning. Right. Well, this is the only time that the SW6 has ever been associated yeah. being leaning that That's part of the true. left. That's true. No, I, I thought it was cool, the uh, the Mudrick money that uh, Shakhtar gave back to Ukraine. Yep. And their, their yep. fighting forces, 22 million pounds, I believe, of it, they gave back. Um, yeah, now for Arsenal, what I've read is that they are they highly covet Declan Rice, yeah, and would like to get him in the summer transfer window. And I don't think Arsenal are going to panic buy. And honestly, no. the fact that City are are you know especially if City don't get a result today, and again we're recording this before the City Tottenham match, why would you panic buy if you're yeah. Arsenal? Yeah, there, there's no need. And and what Edu has done working with 
Hannah and here's Arteta. another question. I I have to ask. Sorry, but why are you panic buying if you're Chelsea? Well, I I don't think that this is a panic buy. I think this is a this one maybe not, but there have been plenty of panic. Buys. Well, I think this is just a continuation of Todd Bowley is throwing the money around, and when he who is he's he is no longer the acting interim sporting director. Mm-hmm. Um, Christopher Vell came in. Um, there's. <laughs> I'm going to need a lot of red yarn and plenty of cork boards to sort together Chelsea's new recruitment hierarchy. Half of the new office basically isn't moved in yet, as you've still got people having to uh, finish out the, the last half of this season at their existing clubs or, or on gardening leave, things like that. I, I don't know what the plan is. Here's the plan, actually. Buy as many people under the age of 23 as possible. That's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. End of the plan. There you go. End there of the you plan. Go. So, and then we'll reconvene in three or correct, four weeks. <laughs> correct. As uh, Chelsea went out into the market and visited PSV to throw 45 million euros around, whereas Arsenal, who I, I have so much respect for saying, we have a valuation in mind, and if you go over that, no. We're, we're going to move on to our next target. And you saw Arsenal move quickly and got a guy who is established in the Premier League, has already shown what he could do in Trossard. Right. Can I tell you my favorite story to come out from, not really transfer window, but just kind of news and notes? Yeah. How about this? Blackpool are set to turn to former Ipswich, Sunderland, and Wolves boss Mick McCarthy as their new manager. Now, the real ones know about Mick McCarthy and his slick back gray hair. What a look. He's a a look, isn't he? It is. You know, have it's you seen gonna, the have you seen the viral video beautiful. of the camera going by him and him giving it the look yes. like oh yeah hey. it, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be beautiful. He so. was the first, and I know this probably happened before him, but at, when I first started watching soccer, he was the first guy that I remember thinking, "Oh, that's cool." He's got his initials on his shirt. Yeah, he had yeah. the MM on everything, and so he was he was uh, he was a real tweet treat back in the day at Wolves. Yeah, I'm. I just hope we get more gifable material. Or jiffable, whatever. I go gif, sue me. Uh, because that's my favorite thing. That I think that plays into my love of Jose Marito. It's not everything that he won for my favorite it's club. It's just how many gifs there are. How many GIFs. how many how many screen grabs, gifs, if I speak, I will be in trouble. How many can I throw out there that that especially now that we uh, I do a poor job of running a Twitter account for us, um, it makes my life much easier as I'm rotating through the topical gifts that we can t- toss out there. How about the story that came out about uh, Kylian Mbappe in Liverpool? Did you see yes, that? Yes, yes. So if you, and this and this is not from like a Euro rag. This is the no. Athletic reporting. This yeah. As well. and so if you missed it, it, it kind of got tossed into bigger reporting of how Mbappe, Real Madrid, PSG, that tug of war is still happening. Mm-hmm. Um, as Mbappe, it turns out that three-year deal he signed was really a two-plus-one, and no one's really clear on the details of what needs to happen to trigger that third year um, on the Athletic Football Pod. Again, shameless plug, I guess, for, for them. Shout out to them. I make no money off of them. I just give it to them, I guess. But um, We should get them a hat. We, sh- we should. <laughs> we should get them a hat. Um, they basically talked about how right now they think it's a the club and Mbappe have to agree. Mbappe is supposed to go to Real Madrid. Real Madrid thinks that they're going to be able to, to pull Mbappe maybe even this summer. And oh, by the way, Liverpool made an approach in July and PSG said 400 million euros, to which Liverpool said, I Yeah. Thanks. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we're good. We're good. Um, quick, quick. 
If Todd Bowley was given the price tag of four hundred oh. million euros, you think he pulls the trigger? Todd Bowley would be sure calling. He'd... he'd be calling people, going, "Listen, it's a great deal. I can't pass it up. I'm... How can you help me?" <laughs> I, I'm sure he. Uh, that's probably why he pulled out of the Washington Commanders bidding, is he's like, "I, right. I need to reroute that mm-hmm. money to Paris." No, it, I thought that was an interesting story that came up as well, and uh, I am I am interested to see. Uh, now, did you see there was someone told me that one of the other Saudi clubs offered like a hundred million dollars more to Messi. Yeah, and was paid for to Ronaldo. Right. What do you think about the bidding war in Saudi? Like, will it will it take? Because I only bring that up because for better or for worse, the MLS is still kind of a retirement league. Yeah, it's, for some well, of the now. Don't get me wrong; it used to be some of the good stars retiring from Premier League and coming over here. Now it's some great stars retiring from not just the Premier League, but all over Europe and coming over here. Yeah, and and. It's become, well, two things. You've got that, and then it's become a very, very good development league. As Durant right. just got sold from Chicago to Aston Villa for $18 million. Right. That, that but, happened in the last week. But as far as what drives viewership, it's still those big names right. in MLS. It's changing, you're right, but still those big names. Is MLS in trouble? Will they lose? I know China kind of had this phase as well, but will they start losing some of those big names to places like Saudi Arabia? Uh, I don't think so because... Uh, Saudi Arabia and everybody is just giving lump sums. Right. But the the marketing, if you want to continue like a brand or other businesses outside, I think that coming over to the States is still, if you want to set that up, if you said I've, I've made great money, because nothing's to say that you don't go your two-year deal with in the Saudi Arabian League, make your money, and then you come over to the States and say, okay, now I want to build that brand, things like that. I think that that's always going to be appealing, especially as MLS rolls into the just like we talk about the U.S. men's national team wanting to capitalize on the World Cup, MLS clubs want to capitalize on the World Cup, and those stars can come over. And if you're already, if Leo Messi's already in the Miami community with Inter Miami, you know it's going to make it easier for anything Leo Messi wants to do surrounding the World Cup. He's going to touch it, and it's going to turn into a cash. Sure. Cow no, that's for true. Him. That's true. That's true. Um, all right. So I want. Why don't we? Why don't we take a break here? Uh, by the way, you're listening to the Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic, because. Couple things. Number one, we got some mailbag questions we on do. the other side. Yeah. We're obviously going to talk about what's coming up this weekend, but also I had mentioned this to you. I had a cool interaction with Sutton United, yes, who is a fourth division League Two team in England, um, and just happened to find out that I'm not the only guy who knows about Sutton United in Oklahoma. It was a pretty social media thing that happened last week. I want to tell that story as well. That's Todd Lizaby. I'm Ryan Chapman. That mailbag and the look preview ahead for the weekend all coming up next here on the soccer show 1077 the franchise you're listening to the soccer show brought to you by oklahoma city fc and the broadway clinic on 1077 the franchise Segment of the soccer show here on the franchise. Ryan Chapman alongside Tom Lisby. If you're just tuning in, you missed anything off the top of the show, you're going to have to get out of your car. Don't worry. You can always find the show. It'll be posted tomorrow morning at thefranchiseok.com, but also the podcast is out. If you want it on your phone, that way, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, both. Just search the soccer show. Look for our logo. Matches our Twitter profile. Matches our hats. 
should pop up for you. We Matches got, the tattoos we're both going to get. Correct, the matching correct. ones. Uh, one of my... Tramp stamps. Clearly, it'll be on my left butt cheek <laughs> in uh, solidarity with our new transfer strategy of Chelsea. <laughs> of uh, only hiring left-side players. Obviously. We've got the mailbag in this segment. We're going to preview all the action coming up this weekend. But before we do any of that, Todd, you're a social media influencer. Congrats, my friend. Yeah, I didn't realize this was going to be a thing. Uh, so I'll kind of give you the story in a nutshell. I obviously play FIFA. Yes. Which a lot of people do, and I play FIFA What's that? Ultimate. FIFA Ultimate Team. Todd Bowley also plays FIFA Ultimate Team. I could, yeah, I could explain FIFA Ultimate Team to you, but that'd be a long discussion. Discussion. Just suffice it to say, FIFA Ultimate Team involves, uh, you know, kind of like it's a fantasy football type much, thing. Yeah, and yeah. You know, it's a lot of people have played on Madden. There's an Ultimate Team as well, but because of the way the Ultimate Team game works, to make your team better. You have to do what's called kind of the grind, they call it, which is where you have to go sell things on the open market and play the market. It's kind of almost like working the stock market with FIFA cards. Right. Well, to do that, just like if you're playing the actual stock market, you ask somebody that knows better than you because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I went online and started watching YouTube videos of how to be better at playing Ultimate Team. And one of the guys that I started following was a guy whose YouTube handle is Fuzzball40. Okay. okay. Fuzzball 40. I started watching him on Twitch, subscribed to his Twitch account. And there was this, again, long story short, it was called the bronze pack method, which means basically you can open the, che- open the cheapest pack on the game and just build your team through it. Yeah. And I loved it because I didn't have to spend any extra money. It was busy work, would give me something to do. I could just turn on music and kind of veg out to it. Followed him, and he was a supporter of Sutton United, okay. who at the time were in the National League, the fifth division. And as anyone that watches Welcome to Wrexham, right, that's, that's same the league, league they're same currently league. trying to get out of. Same league. And as I was watching him, they were going through the process of winning the National League and being promoted into League Two. So every time I would watch his videos, there was always a Sutton United update. Yeah. So I, I kind of got to know about the club. So I ordered a scarf and a, cap, a, a stocking cap. And I love the stocking cap because their colors, they're actually the amber and chocolates. Beautiful. Okay, but it's a yellow and brown. And yellow's my favorite color, so it's an all-yellow stocking cap. It's one of my favorite ones to wear. I wore it to Bedlam last year, right. like, randomly. Right. But every once in a while, someone will go, what is that on your cap? And I explain to them what Sutton United is. So I wear it in one morning to the show, uh, and I took a photo, and I said, I guarantee you I'm the only person in Oklahoma wearing a Sutton United cap this morning. Tag right. Sutton United in the tweet. They like the tweet. About three hours later, get a response on it, and this guy says, okay, I'm absolutely astonished. Me and about 10 other buddies, the guy with the OU cap yeah. in his profile picture, me and about 10 other buddies all have different Premier League teams, and we decided we were going to support the same non-league team and try to watch them get promoted, yeah. and we chose Sutton United. So there's like a small group of Sutton United the fans Sutton United underground in, here Oklahoma in Oklahoma City, City that I didn't know about, that I had no idea about. And so now Sutton United reached out to them and said, hey, we don't have a Sutton United USA account. Why don't you guys start one? Go for it. So now the Sutton United USA account is run by some guys here in the Oklahoma City metro area that are just fans of Sutton United. They actually had a watch party for the Papa John's uh, trophy a few years ago. Uh, You know, like they are full-on Sutton United supporters. So I would just tell you, I know a lot of people love Welcome to Wrexham, right? have gotten into that. They understand that story. If you are one of those people in Oklahoma City and you want to support a lower-level team and try to watch them get promoted, you know, try to maybe watch them fight off relegation something, 
uh, or something like that. Um, Sutton United. Yeah. Jump on with them. There's a lot of fans around here. And, like, literally, we'll put together some watch parties. I've, yeah. I've, they've contacted me, and they're like, we need to get together. And I'd love to get together and watch some soccer with these guys. By the way, by the way, Sutton United literally put out a tweet. Look at this. Read that, Ryan. This is from Sutton United FC. They've got the gold check mark and everything. We've started something now. American flag emoji. Any more fans? Need a space between any and more. <laughs> any more fans from Oklahoma City? Let us know below. Or any Amber Army in the USA? Name the state where you are from below. Fans from across the pond. Love to see it. Salute emoji. The yellow and the that? brown heart. That's incredible, huh? So yeah, if you want, if you want a uh, lower level team to support in England. Sudden United, get behind the Amber and Chocolate Army with us. Get it together. Oklahoma City, we're going to become uh, already the softball capital of the world. Uh, electric I've, guitars. I've literally had parking Sutton, meter. I've had, Sutton United. <laughs> I've had Sutton fans literally send me DMs and go, hey, if you ever come over, let me know. I'll right. buy you a pint. Like right. It's incredible. incredible. So, yeah, check them out. Again, uh, Sutton United USA is the... Uh, Twitter account. That's at, the spot I think it's to be. at Sutton. Yeah, it's just at Sutton United USA. And if you can't find that for some reason, at Soccer Show 107. Bobby Howard, by the way, is the name of the guy yeah. that reached out that's the OU fan uh, that's also a Sutton fan. So, yeah. yeah, at Soccer Show 107. For whatever it is you can't find that, where you already go for mailbag and to get a sneak peek of the hats. Look at this. Sutton United had one of their players send a message to the Sutton yeah. United US fans. It's amazing. Getting it going. It's Getting amazing. it going. All right. It's we're amazing. rapidly running out of time, as yeah, we always sorry, do. Sorry. There's not enough. It's we got to get to the mailbag. Anytime you've got any questions, at Soccer Show 1077, fire it on Twitter. We take those all week. Appreciate your responses. All right. Let's hit it. Chaz, who's getting relegated this year? There are eight teams that all could. We kind of alluded to it earlier, but here is the table. We're just going to go 17 points and down. Leeds, Leicester, and Wolves are all level on 17 points. Leeds has the best goal difference technically. Uh, I guess Leeds and Leicester are level on that, but Leeds has a game in hand. That's 14th, 15th, and 16th. Bournemouth is kind of the the buffer club at 17th. They're in the last safe position on 16 points. And then West Ham, Everton, and Southampton all are on 15. West Ham and Everton have a massive, massive relegation six-pointer coming up this weekend. Like you said, how ironic, too, that... A lot of people at Everton think that David Moyes is the guy that would fix it for them. And there are also reports that if West Ham lose, Moyes is going to get fired from West Ham. Yeah. Which would be interesting if he gets fired. Does Everton then hire the guy that they just got fired? Yeah. It, it, it'll it's be, amazing. It'll be bizarre. I think Southampton's going down. I just don't think they have the talent to put that thing together, um, which will be another loss to the Premier League of, of a, a team that mm-hmm. for as long as I've been watching has been in the fabric of the Premier League. Tyler, I'm sorry. I think Everton are going to go down. Agreed. Because of, uh, they just don't have a ton of moves financially that they can make. So you're looking for one more spot. Um, it's tough. I feel like West Ham are more talented than Bournemouth, so I would take West Ham to string something together. But we've been waiting for West Ham to, quote-unquote, click, just to not compete for anything other than not be in the relegation zone, and they haven't figured it out yet. So it'll be interesting to watch. But I've got, at this point, still plenty of time to go. Southampton, Everton, and Bournemouth getting the drop. Let me go uh, just to be different. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Southampton, Everton, and I'm gonna say Leicester. Ooh, as the other one to get the, the spice. Brage, Brage yeah. will be yeah. very upset. He'll t- have to take a trip to New York City. Yeah, I'll to, go uh, Leicester as the third one to make that happen. All right, we got a question from Colin. Couple. 
How fun were supporting Chelsea last Sunday? It was I think great that's to get a question out there for you, not for yeah, me. Yeah, it Go was ahead. great to get out there at, out at Skinny's. Now that football season's over, it makes it a lot easier to leave the house on the weekend. Yep. When we're not getting back at four and five in the morning. But I almost went out for the Manchester Derby, and I'm so glad I did. Yeah, that would have been Skinny's, but that I'm glad been I good. <laughs> that would have not been good for you. Who leaves first, Jurgen or Pep? Ooh, I'm gonna go with Pep because he's. I know he just signed the new deal, all that stuff. He's historically been the one that's not stayed in one spot for too long. Also, I think that Jurgen, when you read some of the reporting behind Liverpool going up for sale or exploring going up for sale, um, Jurgen's been given more and more kind of autonomy there in the front offices. They're moving off um, some of the guys, their analytics and the director of football department. I, I think that Jurgen is one of those things of he is one of the great assets for Liverpool to be sold. It's like you you saw what he just did with this last great generation of Liverpool players. And as right. they're trying to restock and move guys into different roles. What would Pep do, though? Go on vacation. It's what, it's what he's done the last couple of times. You don't think you'd want to manage? Well, just, I don't know what Pep's going to do, but for him to just I'm leave saying, before Jurgen, go on vacation, reassess, then figure something else out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you ask me the question after Pep wins the Champions League, then yeah, I think the answer yeah. is obviously Pep leaves first. But I just don't know what other – everything and, – and yes, I, Pep would be the first to tell you. I mean, I think he actually said this about Graham Potter and Chelsea. He's like, you got to give him time. It's like, I came into Barcelona and Messi was there. Like, it's it's different, right? Right. Like, I didn't. You don't have to give me time. I came in with great players. Graham Potter is building something. Um, the Reese James disrespect. Well, Chelsea have a Messi sitting right. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> but, kidding. But the point is, like, I'm not kidding. He's <laughs> always, and a lot of it is because he's come into players where or places where players have been great. He's always won at the highest level. Mm-hmm. He's he's won everything well, everywhere other than the Champions other than League the Champions without League, Messi. Yeah, without Messi at Bayern, right? That's the one thing that he hasn't been able to do. So where else can he go to do that? Well, he'd go to Inter and win a Champions League. He could go to Real Madrid and try to win a Champions League. He could. He's yeah. he's done neither of the I know someone else that has. That's true. I'm not trying to compare him and <laughs> uh and uh King Jose. Yeah, and King Jose right now, that's not happening. But you know what I'm saying. I yeah. just, like, if he wants to manage, I don't know where he could be in a better space than where he's at now. Uh, also, Erling Holland's 22 years old. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, I think that at some point it'll come around that if if he doesn't stay at City for the long haul, PSG's going to throw so much money around to be like, let's break this curse together. If, if Pep would leave City without a Champions League, because it'd be like, look, that's the elusive thing for PSG. They've right. got all the money to throw around, despite what's happening right now with Mbappe, all that stuff. Would be another just spot where he have autonomy and he could really gear up on the Champions League. How much of this this year with Liverpool do you think is Jurgen's fault? I, unless he's just not paying attention to physios that are telling him not to play people or rushing people back. They've been so injured that right. I, that for me is hard to pin on anything other than injuries. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't... I don't think either of them are going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, to be totally yeah, honest with you. I, I, that's why I think it's such a good question because not to mention, like I, I don't think this year would get Jurgen fired. No. I don't think he would leave after this year. And quite frankly, if Liverpool don't go into Europe, I think next year they've got to be one of the title favorites, right? Yeah, oh, to not yeah. have that schedule oh, hanging yeah, over just, their head, just to be able to. Yeah, and I think you'd expect a bounce from them. Yeah, for, absolutely. And so, uh, with everything too that we we talked about, them kind of going through of propelling the club for 
sale, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Like Jurgen's a huge asset on top of Anfield, all that. But just saying, you've got everything you want, and you've got the stability, a proven winner in this league in Europe, everything you would want. It, it just makes no sense because again, this isn't a oh my gosh, after five years they've been found out. Like they're just decimated by injuries week in week out. So uh, last one from Soccer Chad. Thoughts on Chelsea spinning this year? For me, it's simple. I don't know how you can't just look at it and laugh and go, there is no plan. They're throwing money around. Let's see. I mean, you do have to throw money around in soccer. Yes. I mean, you do. You can't, you can't holistically improve a team like Chelsea. That's Money's going to have to be thrown around. Um, the issue is, I mean... Proven, it feels very Man United-ish. Proven midfielders said. is one of the big things that they need. That's not even been sniffed at. It's either very, very young pieces or bust. A center forward has not been sniffed at. Very, very young pieces or bust. Like there, There is no, hey, we're going to take a shot on two or three of these younger guys, and then we'll bring this veteran in outside of Koulibaly, which right. has not been a, a good transfer for Chelsea thus far. Chelsea have had some incredible January transfers throughout the years, haven't they? Yes. Fernando Torres was a January, yeah. wasn't he? That's yeah. what I thought. That was a January. Uh, was Dave a January? I think he might have been. That one's actually a good one. <laughs> Especially, yeah. I think they I think they paid like <laughs> 7 million pounds for, for old Dave. Um, all right, let's get into the fixtures this weekend. We just talked a lot about Liverpool. They are going to headline the Saturday morning window as we've got Chelsea headed to Anfield. And this one could be fascinating because Chelsea... Uh, again, have not had stability at the back anyway. Reese James was back in training. Ben Chilwell was back in training. I would not expect either of those guys to feature from the jump, but there are questions surrounding that. How is Chelsea going to deal with Liverpool's attack? And then on the other side, do we see Mikhail Mudrik slot right in? And if we do, dear Lord, Mo Salah, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and Mudrich all playing Mudrich playing at the same... There will be no defending that happens right. on that half of the pitch in either half. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not, i not 100% sure... Um, I'm not 100% sure that this match doesn't end uh, 3-3 or 0-0. Yeah. Like, one of the two. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it feels like it's going one of those two ways. I, I feel like... So... When these two teams got together at Sanford Bridge in the league last year, it was what a first, mid-table clash. It was, which is a phenomenal mid-table clash. Uh, there were four goals in the first half because neither side was like, ah, defense, what's that? Because uh, Trent can't defend. We know this. Yeah. If you think Trent can defend, I'm sorry. Watch him play. He refuses to do James it. James Milner is a hell of a defender. Though. He is. He is. And so uh, you've got um, and, and the Van Dyke issue. So I, I just think this one's going to be very, very, very open because Chelsea have been awful in the defensive third and uh, I, I think that there will be the spaces if, especially if Mujic's rolled out there to attack. Now what's that going to amount to? Got no freaking clue because I've never watched this guy play Premier League soccer. We've, right. we've seen him flying high in the Champions League and he has no other track record other than that. we got a, a big one on Sunday we'll get to as well, but there are some huge relegation matchups this yes. weekend. Starting with obviously at 9 o'clock you got West Ham and Everton on uh, Saturday. You got Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest, which is kind of a relegation matchup as if, well. Yeah, if Bournemouth you see Nottingham def- Forest are about to sign. Uh uh-uh. uh Chris Wood. Love that. That's fun. <laughs> that Chris is Wood fun. from Newcastle is about to be headed to Nottingham Forest, it looks like. Uh you got that one as well. Um that, that one's at Bournemouth too. So that, right. that's the if Bournemouth can't we just talked about them, they're in the weird buffer zone right now. First one safe. If you can't 
pick up points against the lower half at home, you're not going to stay up. Right. And, uh, you know, Newcastle um, have Crystal Palace this weekend. Palace coming off the draw against United for Palace uh, coming off of Richards' debut. Yep, that's true. And for Newcastle, that would be uh, a match where they need to get back to their winning ways if they're going to really solidify themselves up there in the top four. So then that leads us to Sunday. Sunday morning, real quick, Leeds need a result against Brentford yep, as well. that's true. Yeah, that's true. Big one on Sunday, though. Arsenal, Man United, the first time these two played, you had the uh, the controversial goal called back on the foul. Yeah. I think it was on Odegaard that, that it was uh, aggrieved. There, uh, a judge to a foul. You've got Tin Hog feeling himself. We did need Casemiro to win the first I time. Know. We're going to have to do I it know. again. It's going to be good, though. It's going to be good. I think. I these think, are the two uh, hottest teams in the Prem right now. Well, and I think you know, th- there's no secret that Arteta does a lot of things that Pep does. Like yeah. there's a lot of that same style of football. And we just saw United what they did to Man City. I don't know if that's good or bad that they're coming off of that. I don't know if it's good or bad that they're coming off of the draw midweek with Crystal Palace. I'm not 100 percent sure. All I know is that. Right now on form, these are two of the top probably four teams in the Premier League. On form, for me, they're the two highest flyers since the World Cup break. And also, Rashford and Odegaard, Mm -hmm. you you talk about individual form, uh, one of those guys is going to score and tilt this game. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. It's going to be a lot of fun. It should be a just fascinating weekend in the Premier League. Very excited, as always, to get that thing rolling. But... Unfortunately for us, this hour goes by too quickly I know. every single week. Be hey, sure. Can I say one last thing before yeah. we go? Uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I don't think I mentioned this last week. I know I'd put it on Twitter. We had mentioned Brian Harvey, longtime yeah. OCU soccer coach. He passed away on January the thirteenth. I know a lot of people around here uh, know Brian's story. Native of Liverpool. Uh, you know, I know talking to our our. Uh, boss Ty Tyler. Ty knew Brian. Brian played against Pele. Yeah. I mean, he uh, he has he's really kind of the godfather, one of the godfathers of soccer in Oklahoma. So uh, he passed away last week. We want to send our condolences, not just to him, his family, but also OCU, which I know he was always a big part of that program there. Yeah, 100%. 100%. But that's all we've got for now. That's Todd Lizabee. I'm Ryan Chapman. We'll be back on Wednesday night next week. But like I said, at the 1st of February, be on the lookout. I'll be sure to find that out on Twitter when we're moving to Saturday mornings. Follow us at Soccer Show 1077 on Twitter. Yeah, that's the best spot for mailbag, merch, hats, all the stuff. It's coming your way, and it's coming fast. But until then, hope your team wins this weekend. I hope your rivals are pantsed on international television. That's it. We'll talk to you next week.